coaches believe it's real. Former players like Mark Recchi believe it's real. And if you're a fan, maybe you believe it's real as well. But whether you think it's real or a myth, the Thanksgiving playoff standings have quite the track record, and it showcases, in most cases, if you are in the playoffs by American Thanksgiving, you're in a good spot to make the playoffs. And if you're not, well, maybe you should be sweating a little bit more and get a little bit more concerned uh, before you get into the Christmas season. That being said, we're going to take a look at this year's standings and take a look at the teams in playoff spots on the outside looking in, well behind it, and what it means for the next several months of hockey to be played. Episode 344 of the Lace Month Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Hey, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Before we get to our main topic, Brett, as usual, uh, we'll quickly run through some news of the day slash week. Yeah, uh, quite a few things has happened um, in the Thanksgiving week, which is kind of interesting. There was a couple trades that we won't actually get into, but uh, that happened. Um... But, uh, yeah, some milestones that we wa- I just wanted to note. Uh, one, that uh, Evgeny Malkin, he reaches his 1,000th game. Um, it's crazy, though, when I was thinking about it, it's just, like, that he's played in the league for 17 years. And usually, it, you know, you, you reach the, that point in, like, around, like, 15 years in the league or something. Um, there's also, like, 42 active members um who have played a thousand games in the nhl um and one of those is like ryan kessler and Toma- thomas Plikanic, who i don't even think are in the league anymore but according to hockey reference they count as active i don't know i think ryan kessler makes some sense because i you know he's still under contract with a team but uh i don't i don't think i, I guess thomas Plikanic is also anyways it was kind of cool for, for Malkin, uh, just because he, uh, you know, it was just like, you know, I guess the reason why it's taken so long, even though he's been in the league for almost a de- two decades, is just that he's, um, it's just because he's, he's been snake bitten by injury a lot of the time. Um, also, mm-hmm. if you count the, like, the lockout stuff and all that stuff. But it's interesting, too, because, like, in his first year in the league, he actually won the Calder Trophy that year, and I believe that was when uh, Crosby was uh, a rookie too, right? Um, if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, Crosby was a rookie in 0506, and 07 Malkin was a rookie, but okay. still put up pretty solid numbers. Uh, Crosby in 0607 actually had 120 points, and I'm pretty sure Malkin accounted for uh, helping him out with most of those. Okay. Oh, so it was the year before that was like Ovechkin and Crosby, but then, okay. I guess well, I guess. Uh, so in 04, I believe Ovechkin was drafted first and then Malkin right after, right, right. and then the 05 draft was Crosby. Right, right. No, I knew that. I just, I guess I thought that, okay, so I'm looking here. That year, uh, Stasny was a rookie, Jordan Stahl was a rookie, Anze Kopitar, Dustin mm-hmm. Penner, um, 
But, like, yeah, no, I knew that Malkin was the same draft year as Ovechkin, and then... He spent some time in Russia Crosby before was, he arrived right? in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and that's why he was a rookie it. later than Crosby by a year. Well, no, I that wasn't the shocking thing. I thought that... I thought Malkin, Crosby, and Ovechkin were rookies at the same time, but I guess not. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, it was just... It was just Crosby and Ovechkin who were rookies at the same time. But anyways, yeah, in 0506 they were. Yeah. Anyways, it's it's kind of like crazy when you think about it. Just that like he was so good early on in his career. Um, he he got the Art Ross and the Conn Smith Award um, in his third season. In fact, um, and then he won the Hard Trophy uh, a couple years later. I assume they kind of align with when Crosby was out. Um, so, cause that's, yeah. that's been like the thing is when Crosby's injured, Malkin takes over and when Malkin's injured, Crosby takes over, but they're also good when they're both active as well, of course. But yeah, his, um, you know, you look at his stats, it's like, oh, okay. They're not as impressive, but still like a thousand games is like, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a good number, but um, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool that uh, he got a thousand numbers. I don't know if you saw this either, but um, apparently Crosby set this up. But I guess all the Penguins on his a thousandth game, all the Penguins came out with uh, Malkin and did the same exact warm up that Malkin did. Um, and it was kind of it was kind of funny. So <laughs> like, right. was, I remember them doing that with yeah, Crosby yeah. celebrating his a thousand. Yeah, yeah. So he was like doing like these hip thrusters, or just like doing like leg ups on the ice it was just like funny seeing like 22 people doing the same thing like especially like just like very unique stretches like that so it was just it was like kind of a sight to see um but yeah that was that was pretty cool at that point you just hope they don't pull any muscles before the game starts. right 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 yeah but um but it was cool to see um but yeah anyways it's it's uh um, yeah, it's just, um, you know, I, I think Malkin's one of the more underrated superstars, if that's even possible, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, he, he's, he's, uh, of course, he's, he's really good, so. It should be noted, speaking of Sidney Crosby, he's 62 points away from 1,500 career points, and yeah. at the rate he's going this year, he might be doing it before the regular season ends. Yeah, speaking of which, um, Bergeron, he got his 1,000th point as well, um, on an active roster um apparently there were there's only been um wait i'm looking at the wrong list here um there are nine people including bergeron um who have a thousand points um and that's joe thornton crosby ovechkin patrick kane the aforementioned vikenny malkin uh anze kopitar eric stahl Backstrom and Backstrom are are the eight, and then Bergeron's the ninth. Um, Steven Samkos has nine hundred and ninety five, so he's about to join them, and probably like next week. <laughs> I would, I could see that, but um, but yeah, that, there's there's certainly that. And if Phil Kessel gets going, he has nine hundred and sixty four points, uh, career points, so he could break it. Um, probably towards the end of the year if his season is going well, but that uh, seems kind of somewhat unlikely. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like, obviously that's a great achievement. Bergeron's already in the Hall of Fame already, even without this statistic, but it's just cool that he like joins all those guys as well. I was surprised that Eric Stahl has reached 1,000 points, but all the other guys I mentioned are like, like, oh yeah, right, that makes sense. So, 
um, yeah, good good on Bergeron. It was kind of cool too um, because what happened was Bergeron assisted on Mar on, Mar on Marshawn goal, and immediately as soon as Marshawn scored, he uh, he just pointed at Bergeron and all the um, teammates like crowded around Bergeron. Uh, so it's like even like for an assist or something like that, it's just like. It just shows how cool, like, or how much of a team player Bergeron is. Is where, like, yeah, the every, fact that yeah. his a thousandth point is an assist is a very Bergeron thing. Yeah, yeah. It's only fair. Exactly, and like, also, like, uh, this was like they, you could tell, like, the because I was watching, obviously, but uh, like the game before was the the last game on their home stand. Um, and you could tell that, like, they all wanted to get Bergeron that 1,000 points before they go on the road. They didn't make it work, but it was just cool that, like, oh, Bergeron, um, like, even even still, it's like they, they managed to, to make it work. So, um, yeah, it was, it was cool, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen most of these points, so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just, like, what more else to say? It's like Bergeron is... Bergeron is awesome, so yeah, it's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else to say on that, but yeah, of course, uh, I we, we talk about Bergeron a lot, so <laughs> yeah. Um, I I know you don't want to talk about the Bruins in the standings, but I'll just mention right now. Speaking of the ultimate team stat, uh, eleven straight wins to start your home schedule. I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. No big deal. Um. Yeah, for the record, I don't know if we've I've mentioned this on the air. I'm more just I'm I'm just being like uh, I'm trying not to jinx my team, so I'm trying not to be so like excited about the team, even though obviously I should be. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. I'll, I'll feed I'll feed um, I'll feed fuel to that fire, Brett, because um, I was bragging about how good my Ottawa 67s oh, yeah. were, <laughs> and then they lost three in a row. They have since won, yeah. but they dropped three straight, and one of those losses, they had a four to one lead after the first period. Did I so. did I not call this? Because I I told you that that's probably what was going to happen. Hey, they won nineteen of their first twenty three. It's still a heater. Forget oh, yeah. the fact they lost three in a row. Doesn't matter. No, no, of course. I I just like, uh, and I guess this is like behind baseball now, but. Uh, Steve wanted me to wanted us to talk about the Ottawa 67's huge streak, and I was just saying like, no, it's like we're pretty much strictly. Like, occasionally we talk about other leagues, but uh, yeah. we're pretty much strictly on the NHL unless it's like something even more spectacular. And then I was just like, and then ever since you mentioned it, I was just like, all right, you're 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 being too cocky about this. I need to like. <laughs> like now, I was just actively rooting for the Ottawa 67s. If, if they go ham on the trade though, deadline and they for some reason yeah. land Shane Wright, then yeah. maybe I'll have an excuse to bring it up on the podcast. Yeah. But until then, I'll just pester him on email about it. Speaking of Shane Wright, uh, good segue. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Uh, but uh, We'll call it intentional, but okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, last week, we I, I kept on talking about how like Shane, like I don't know what, the Kraken are doing with Shane Wright. It makes no sense. They're hurting his development. Turns out uh, they were they were playing chess while we were playing checkers. Because um, uh, they... So I guess there's um, a loophole with the NHL where um, if you healthy scratch a player five times in a row, um, you can send them down to the AHL um, on a conditioning That's stick. That's the loophole? Are you yeah. So it's a, 
So it's a conditioning stint. Um, so he can only... Yeah, conditioning loan, I think, is what they call it, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know the Which is not like a demotion, it's a conditioning loan. I guess it's two different things. I, I, I Well, whatever it is, they, they call it a conditioning something. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, he's only allowed to play um, in the Coachella Valley Firebirds. I think it's like five games, which just so happens to be in that 14-game stretch or 14 day stretch where they're allowed to do that. And then by the end of that time, so um, he can go to, um, he'll probably be training for the world juniors and get this Canada. I'm, I'm jealous of you guys now because Canada will have Connor Bedard, Shane Wright and Adam Fantilli all on the same team, potentially all on the same line. Um, and that will be fantastic. Um, and I'm looking at his elite prospects page he has uh, four goals in three games, no assists so far, but four goals in three games in Coachella Valley. It's like, all right, I guess um, this is the league that he should be doing. Hey, run, going... run that stat line back to me. How many goals? How many points? Four goals, four points, three games. That, yeah. That's still pretty good. Yeah, I, I think so. Well, that that was like the knock, or like a like a what people were saying was the reason why he slipped, even at fourth overall last year was because like his goal numbers were still pretty low for like what they were expecting. Um, although you could just make the case that he was just trying to round out his game and he was just you know he was assisting more than he usually did. But yeah, just just getting four goals in. The AHL is like okay, he um, he can score some goals now, um, but yeah, uh, four goals in three games. But yeah, anyways, what they'll probably do is then in fourteen days, um, or I guess seventeen days now or seven days, uh, they can just send him to um, the World Juniors, the Canada camp, and he can get some time in December. Uh, for the World Juniors and prepare for that. And then by the time it's January, then they can either, like maybe Seattle starts struggling a bit, so maybe they send him up, or they um, or they just have Kingston trade him somewhere, um, maybe to your Ottawa 67s. And, and it, it should be noted, by the way, and I can't emphasize this enough, I think middle of January, which is probably like – a week, two weeks at the most is oh, yeah. when the OHL trade deadline is. So uh, okay. I would sure I'm certain uh, Kingston would need ample time to realize if he was going back down to the OHL. And at that point, depending on where they're in the standings, they weigh their options. They're just gonna be like, yeah, okay. So should we take calls on him or what? Because yeah, probably half a season of Shane Wright is all you'll have left. Well, so. He, back to the level and he stays up there for good so the interesting thing is is i'm not sure how the rules work but i'm noticing here that his birthday is january 5th 2004 so he'll be he'll be 19 pretty soon in january after over each season is when you're 20 but the reason i say half a season left to shane Wright is because this dude is shane Wright. he was Pick fourth overall, and I highly doubt he's back in the OHL next year. Oh no! Does he have left to prove? But uh, no, I get that. But isn't there like a rule that you can't be in the AHL as an eighteen-year-old? But I guess can you be an 
in the AHL as a 19-year-old, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, so. I'll have to uh, confirm that. Um, but because uh, it's definitely like if because he's turning 19 um, on January 5th, so after the World Juniors, because that's usually the end of the World Juniors, I assume he could just stay in the AHL. Um, if he if he turns nineteen, but I'm not necessarily sure how it would work. Yeah. Necessarily, it, it, it's it's just it's it's going to affect his trade value to the extent, like as I mentioned last week, if they do decide to go down the road and get as much return value for Shane Wright as they can. Obviously, if it's half a season of Shane Wright that you know that you're going to get, this the asking price is going to be pretty high, and it'll be notable, but. If you know that there's a chance Shane Wright might be coming back for another year, they might be asking for more than that too. Right, right. Um, so, so that's 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 the other thing, and uh, you know, for some teams that price may be too high to pay because the thing with the Ottawa Sixty Sevens uh, is a lot of their core is very young, and they'll be back next year for sure, maybe even the year beyond that. Um, and a lot of those guys are pretty good, but I don't think good enough to stay with the NHL teams that drafted them full time. Some guys like Brady Stonos and Luca Pinelli haven't even been drafted yet. Yeah. So you're looking at another year or two of this core. Is it worth giving up a few of those guys over for half a season of Shane Wright? Yeah. Uh, to me, I love Shane Wright, but I don't think I'd make that trade if it was offered, knowing that I would probably give up a couple of those core pieces that I have for potentially minimum next year, maximum the next two. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, um, yeah, you had some news that you wanted to mention um, now. Yeah, uh, speaking of young NHL players trying to make their way into the NHL, uh, Peter Kochikov, who uh, was uh, Carolina Hurricanes draft pick, uh, signed a four-year extension with a cap hit of $2 million. Um, so I'm pretty sure no longer a third stringer uh, after this season uh, with the term and the dollars like that. Yeah. He's probably at least getting the backup spot, which means one of Freddie Anderson, one of Antiranta is probably not back next year. Or it could be both because both are on the final years of their respective deals with the Carolina Hurricanes. And the other thing is that Pyotr Kochikov has only played, I think, seven or eight games in the Nine NHL games. so far. And I've, and I've looked at some of the highlights. Thank you, Brett. I've looked at some of the highlights, and he's made a couple of yeah. highlight reel saves uh, against Boston in particular, but also yeah. a few other teams. So in the small sample size that he's uh, displayed as an NHL goaltender, he's had his moments where he where he's shown that he belongs in this league. Uh, and he's giving his team a chance to win in pretty much all the games that he's played to this point. Uh, so definitely um, definitely says a lot when you haven't even crossed the 10-game threshold as an NHL goalie and a team is willing to commit to you for that length of time. And also, it should be noted for Kochikov, this contract takes him right to the free agent market when it expires. Yeah, uh, yeah, he look, he's looked good so far. I know it's a lot of it has to do with the fact that Freddie is uh, injured right now, because of course he is. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's he's looked pretty much impressive. He has a two one and three record right now, a nine thirteen save percentage and a two point three three GAA. Um, so yeah, that's pretty good, um, obviously. But 
Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting for Carolina because it's like as good as Freddie Anderson has been, as good as Antti Rant has been, uh, they always they're always in, injury prone. Um, so yeah, if you can get yeah. someone like Hachikov, um, in the system and it seems like he's he's doing well, um, that that's all the more reason to like you know keep him in the system and um, yeah, I, I think you're right though. Obviously, it makes sense that. Um, that uh, that I think uh, Freddie or and or uh, Ranta are probably gone the next year because they're both free agents. Well, it's also interesting and, is you're also paying uh, combined what seven or so million to yeah. the services of Antti Ranta and Freddie Anderson for this season. If Kochikov ends up proving to be the goalie they all think he is as soon as this year, and that contract kicks in and he's their guy, you have got a number one goaltender for the next four years at a $2 million cap hit and money to spend elsewhere. Like, what another bargain luxury the Hurricanes have. They already have yep. Sebastian Ajo at a pretty fair rate, and now they get this guy for the next four years, uh, mm-hmm. potentially, uh, you know, top 15 goalie in the league. Like, that's that's pretty good bargain hunting if you're yeah. done with Elton Hurricanes. Yeah, Assuming, of course, that he proves to be exactly that. By the way, I know this isn't, re- I mean, it's somewhat related, but uh, we were critical, like a couple weeks ago, uh, we were critical of the Spencer Knight contract, looking like uh, Spencer Knight's pretty good right now. Uh, so um, he low-key might win the, the Vezina. Uh, but um, yeah, anyways, uh, you, and then um, also uh, Borges Salming uh, passed away, unfortunately. Uh, he was a legendary Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman. Um, he's a six-time All-Star and a Hall of Famer, of course, as well. Um, he had um, 768 points in 1,099 uh, games. Um, he played, you know, he's far before both Steve and I's year, you know, when, before we were alive, even uh, his last year was in Detroit in 1989-1990 season, um, and he started in the 70s. Uh, but um, but yeah, it's of course it's always sad when you ever you hear these these legends um, pass away right now. So yeah, well, and and the thing with Warrior Salming is um, not only did he inspire the European wave because he was like the first. European superstar that played NHL hockey. Yeah. And the rhetoric around that time was, eh, not really sure these Europeans are tough enough to play in the NHL. And then one game you see Boreas Stolman go after Dave the Hammer Schultz and, like, yeah. not afraid of the guy either. Like, he's going after him, he's chirping him, and Schultz is pissed at him. And he, he doesn't care. He, he, just, uh, he just goes right after him without fear. And um, that's that's the type of worry that Stolman was, didn't there wasn't really a moment that phased him. He just, uh, you know, embraced his role and wanted to be the best player possible for his team. He led by example. He, he led with a lot of hearts, a lot of character. Um, and, you know, I'm sure if you talk to guys like Nicholas Lindstrom or whatever, they're probably inspired by Boreas Soming and his play and inspired the wave of uh, Swedish defensemen, European defensemen, and just European talent overall. The, the amount of players coming out of Europe – uh, I think you could argue was spearheaded by Boreas Selming and a guy that the 
the lease management didn't really think was um, you know going to be a franchise player for them. Uh, ended up being just that and then some. And and you could see the crowd reception um, a couple weeks ago. We were talking about uh, Boris Soming um, in the lead up to the Hall of Fame uh, festivities. Um, I mean, what a moment for him. Uh, being uh, It was revealed over the summer that he had been diagnosed with ALS and lost the ability to speak. And just the emotion pouring out of him and pouring out of the fans uh, that were there to support him um, and just watching the players greet him as well at center ice. I mean, he meant a lot to that city, to that community, and just a tough loss for the support. Yeah, of course. It's always sad uh, when a Hall of Famer dies. But, um, yeah, I mean. Well, uh, we we pass on the game, I guess. Uh, you know, things happen, so you have to you have to worry about that. But of course, it's always sad. Um, yeah. Um, and then uh, there were a couple of trades that we don't even have to get into too much detail in. But uh, Ryan Reeves yeah. is went to Minnesota um, for a, uh, and the Rangers received a twenty twenty five fifth round pick. Um, also, Connor Timmins is going to Toronto. Uh, whereas Arizona has um, gets uh, Curtis Douglas. Uh, this one is only notable just because Morgan Riley's injured um, and uh, Jake Muzzin's also injured long term as well. So yeah. um, and you know Connor Timmins, it seems like he's decent when healthy, and that's the key here is when healthy. Um, and hopefully he can you know he'll he'll get some opportunity in Toronto, but. Um, but I'm kind of curious to see what like Timothy Villegrin and Rasmus Sandin can do uh, with Morgan Riley out um, and you know TJ Brody out and Jake Muzzin out. So um, because I, like, I, I yeah. just realized I just realized something. I, I'm, I'm just double checking. Is he actually? Yep, he played in the OHL for the Sioux Greyhounds. Oh, wow. Kyle Dubas has done it again. Oh, okay, <laughs> that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, he played for the Greyhounds. Yeah, he's in. All right, all right. Yeah, that explains a lot. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I feel like um, we like you know they there's been like a lot of hype to Lilligran and Sandine for the past couple of seasons, um, and it's always been interesting just because Morgan Riley's in there, so it's like they haven't really lived up to that hype just yet. Um, so it's just like I, I'm just curious to see what what goes on with with those two defensemen. Um, but yeah, Connor Timmins, of course, is another one where it's like, you know, he's, he's been talked up a, a fair amount every now and then, but, um, but yeah, you, you just like, he, he always seems to get injured. So, um, but yeah, you'll have plenty of opportunities speaking of injuries because Morgan Riley is out and TJ Brody's out and Jake Muzzin's out. So, um, so yeah, they'll, they'll definitely, um, you know, if, if he's, if he's actually going to pin out. This could be the time, um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, like Connor Timmins. Not that he's a bad NHL defenseman. No. He's just playing, drafted and playing on a loaded yeah. Abs blue line to start his career. Then he gets traded to Arizona in the Darcy Kemper deal, and uh, yeah. and now he's in a situation where Toronto is looking for any affordable defenseman that they can find, and they're giving Connor Timmins a shot on the Ryan Reeves front. Um, the main thing I take out of this is Jordan Bennington better not try some stuff against Minnesota because if he does, Ryan Reeves will be there to answer the bell. Yeah, yeah. Sure, but. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. 
Um, I also feel like Minnesota kind of lost a bit of their grit when Nick Delorier left for Philly. It's yeah. weird me to say that, um, but you know, you look at Marcus Foligno and and um, and uh, and the likes of um, Nick Delorier and the type of grit and physicality that they bring. Now that Marcus Foligno is expected to be um, a top nine forward, not as well as a guy that hits and crashes, and not afraid to drop the gloves. I feel like a bit of that intimidation factor has been lost against Minnesota, especially when you have all those youngsters like Matt Boldy and Kirill Kaprizov and Mark Karasi now in the yeah. mix. I feel like a guy like Ryan Reeves, at least for the time being, is is a piece that they could utilize in the lineup in terms of the physicality and the toughness. And just 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 even his presence on the ice is just like, hey, don't try anything. Right, right. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, Ryan Reeves, it's it's interesting too because I feel like nowadays, like Ryan, I feel like Ryan Reeves would be really like a hot commodity in like ten years ago or even twenty years ago. Yeah, but like yeah, not not the point where you trade a yeah. first round pick for him like uh, yeah. Pittsburgh did, um, right. or even the value you had in Vegas. I think Vegas was peak Ryan Reeves. Yeah, but, like, you know, I, I guess the thing is, is, like, yeah, it's fine if you can fight. Obviously, that's there's still, like, some fights that happen every now and then. But because it's like, happens less often now, it's very, um, like, his, his services aren't as needed. But, of course, like, he has that intimidation factor. He hits a lot, too. So, it's, like, he's not, like, you know, he could still be a useful fourth-line guy. But it's, it's still, like, you know, because fighting isn't as prominent as it used to be um he's not as useful anymore um so so it's like it's a little strange where you're just like wait why because like, that's what happened with the rangers too like the rangers traded a draft pick and got ryan reeves um and it, it seemed it didn't make a ton of sense at the time either but, i think most of that was yeah. because they didn't want tom wilson messing around with their stars anymore right right that's right. a big reason why they made that deal and, 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 yeah, that makes sense, but it's just more, like, okay, so you get a fifth-round pick in, like, 2025. <laughs> like, that guy may not even be anything, and he's, like, that person that they're going to draft is, like, what? Like, um, he's 15 years old right now, uh, so it's, like, they have years away from, from even... Uh, drafting this guy, so it's just. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. they drafted Lundqvist in the seventh round, so you never know. True, true. It's it, just it could, it could be at worst, you know, a top four defenseman. Yeah, but it, like at the fifth round, it's not like it's pretty much a crapshoot. So, yeah. but yeah, well, I, if, I, if, I, if, I if the scouts do their homework and and they search uh, high and low enough times, uh, then yeah. you know they might get fortunate. They might. That's uh, fair. That's totally fair. Uh, it, it's it's rare. You're right. That fifth round pick turns into yeah. this magical gem. At that point. If you're the GM who trade away that pick, you tip your cap. It's just like, yeah, sure, yep. I could have predicted that. Yep. Um, so there is. Um, so now we get into the main topic. Um, we had a lot to get into, which is surprising because it's Thanksgiving. By the way, happy Thanksgiving to any or belated Thanksgiving to any American listeners that we have. Yeah. Um, and for Canadians, happy Cyber Monday. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, we, we take advantage of all the deals that you give us. Right, 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 right. Uh, so, anyways, speaking of Thanksgiving, there's usually, um, there's, like, that statistic that, like, by Thanksgiving, um, like, 80% of the the teams that are in a playoff position end up making the playoffs. Um, all right, I must be, I think I'm making up that, <laughs> that statistic. 
But um, I, I, I will give you a bit of clarification. Uh, Mark Recchi wrote an article on NHL.com, and this is during his time in the league. Um, uh, if you go back to the 0506 season, it says, according to NHL stats, 76.3% of the teams that were in a playoff position on American Thanksgiving made the playoffs. Uh, that doesn't include the 2019-20 season because COVID-19 and right, the playoffs right. were kind of weird. Uh, but in the 14 seasons in which uh, uh, Mark Recchi includes, which I assume is uh, the seasons that uh, – well, I guess he didn't play in all those 14 seasons. But in any case, uh, 174 of the 224 teams that made the postseason were in playoff position uh, on uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, so – uh, actually, this stat line doesn't include 2012-13 because of lockout and 2020-21. Okay, interesting. Right. Thanksgiving happened before that. Uh, and, yeah, again, COVID-19 made everything. Right, right. But right. in the 14 seasons that he included since 0506, out of 224 teams that were in the postseason by American Thanksgiving, 171 stayed in the playoffs. Wow. So 76.3%. So, yeah, not impossible, but still a pretty high number yeah. to overcome if you're on the outside looking at Right. Um, so, so those teams uh, right now in the Atlantic is Boston, no big deal. Toronto, Detroit. Um, in the Metro, the three teams are New Jersey, New York, uh, the Islanders, um, and Carolina. And then in the wild card, you have the Rangers and Tampa. Um, and then in the Western Conference, in the Central, you have Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg. Vegas, Seattle, LA, and then the wild cards are Calgary and St. Louis. Um, I will mention though, because we're recording this on a Sunday, um, some the these have changed already. Um, just in the wild cards though, uh, Tampa and Pittsburgh are the wild cards right as of now. Um, in the East and then in the West, uh, Edmonton and St. Louis are the wild card spots there. Uh, so, um, which is different than uh, Calgary, I think we had them in the playoffs and New York, the Rangers were in the uh, playoffs as well. Uh, but, uh, but of course, that's, that's you know, whatever. Um, I'm looking at Money Puck, um, and they have Boston, New Jersey, Seattle, Vegas, Colorado, and Toronto as 93% or higher as making the playoffs. And then you have Carolina, LA, Winnipeg, and Pittsburgh having 80% chance or higher um, making the playoffs as well. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. That's 10 of the 16 teams having a pretty high likelihood of making the playoffs. Um, and then if you wanted to include Florida, Dallas, and Calgary, they have 70, uh, either in the 70 range, um, and then Tampa has 65, the Islanders and the Wild have 45, and your favorite, Ottawa, has 39.1% chance. What's up? Okay, this is interesting here. Hey, remember the Hamburglar sense. Never forget the Hamburglar sense. Yeah, 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 it's possible. They, they defied all logic. Um, this is interesting. They have Edmonton having 38% chance of making the playoffs, um, which is crazy. Imagine a team yeah. with McDavid and Dreisel. Again, I can't say this yeah. enough. Having a below 50% chance of making the playoffs. Right. So In the division that they're in. Right. So that, I guess that leads us to who won't make... So I have three questions and two of them tied together. Um, 
and that is uh, who won't make it and who might make it. Um, and yeah, I think we should talk about Edmonton because right, like, you know, as you were saying, like Edmonton, right now Edmonton is in the playoff spot because they came from behind uh, to beat New York, uh, the Rangers yesterday. But um, but yeah, they're still 11 and 10. Um, they have zero OT losses or, you know, sh- shutout losses, shootout losses. Um, so they have 22 points. Um, it's interesting just because, like, I feel like they should be in the playoffs right now. I mean, I guess technically they are in the playoffs if you look at the standings. But, um, but yeah, it's just it's just interesting because, like, they have... I, I guess it's like, yes, you have McDavid, you have Dreisaitl. You would think that would mean that they would have more... Um, you know, that they would be one of the, at least one of the three teams in the Pacific. Uh, they should be, you know, the Pacific leader, but they're not right now. Um, so you would think that would be the case, but yeah, it's just, it's even crazier because you have like the best player um, on your roster. You have arguably the second best player also on your team. Um, I guess it's it's just more of like a, a sign of like, this is how bad... Uh, Jack Campbell has been, um, although at the same time, um, you know, Stuart Skinner, I think has played a lot of games too. Uh, yeah, so, so Stuart Skinner has played 10 games. Jack Campbell has played 12 games. Um, and, uh, Stuart Skinner has a 921 save percentage and a 2.78. I, I feel like at this point, it's like, I know Jack Campbell has, it's like, you know, has like $5 million in his cap hit this year, uh, but, um, yeah, I, I feel like at this point, you just have to ride the hot hand and just, just give Stuart Skinner most of the games, um, and, cause that seems to be working, um, like, yeah, two, 2.7, like, all you really need is decent goaltender, and I'm not sure what's going on with Jack Campbell, but, um, it makes, like, I, I don't know why Stuart, like, you know, Stuart Scamble, Stuart Skinner is, uh, like, serviceable. And that's really all you need with a team that has McDavid and Dreisaitl. I will say, though, that, like, I, I think what's really hurt them is the fact that Evander Kane is out long-term. Um, and, yeah, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has a, a more than a point-per-game uh, pace. Uh, he had 22 points in 21 games. Zach Hyman has also been good too, but you know we need to see more from Tyson Berry. We need to see more from Darnell Nurse, Ryan McLeod, Evan Bouchard. I'm just going pull you RV. Um, even like Dylan Holloway, I know that he hasn't gotten on a ton of ice ice time, but maybe Dylan Holloway can can step up. Kyler Yamamoto, I guess similarly, I know he's injured, but uh, he needs to step up as well. So it's like. It's a lot of the depth guys that need to step up, and that's not just Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman, but like even some of the defensemen, like Evan Bouchard, and he has eight points in twenty-one games. That's unacceptable. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely smaller in comparison to what uh, he was putting up last year. Um, so, in, in terms of teams. Um, uh, you you want to talk about who won't make it first? Um, well, yeah, I, I guess I was, I I 
Well, the reason why I was mentioning the Oilers, I guess, was just because I feel like they will figure it out. So I, I, I guess I kind of wanted to talk about who will make it. Um, so, oh, okay. Who will figure it out? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I know I went off the rails a little there. But yeah, I, okay. yeah let's do it with who will make it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so who will make it? Uh, Boston, and I think if you win 11 straight at home, and uh, despite the coaching change and how controversial it was in the offseason, they're looking like a darn good team. At worst case scenario, they're going to be a wild card team. I say Boston's in. They're also healthy again. They have... McAvoy back. They have Marshawn back. Both look like they're not missing a beat, so they're 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 looking good there. I don't know if you noticed now, but Brett uh, Matt Murray is winning games in Toronto, and he's yeah. uh, also gotten some first star nominations. Uh, so hey, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a threat once again. Hate to see it, Bruins fans, yeah. but uh, they're uh, they're breathing down your neck. Uh, Detroit also, I had them as a wild card team at the time of this recording. Their third in the Atlantic Division, or not at the time of this recording, at the time of the American Thanksgiving uh, point of the season. Uh, they still the are. At the time of the, they Oh, still they still are. are? Okay. Well, it'll probably be gay by the time you hear this then, because that's just how things work on the podcast. Um, Billy Huso's been very good. I've uh, loved what some of the Detroit Fords have done. Uh, Moritz Sider hasn't had the super sexy offensive numbers uh, he had last year, but Again, still relied on to put up some pretty big minutes. Philip Peronic has also been killing it from the blue line yep. as well. Um, so I like what Detroit has done. If they can get solid goaltending from Nadelkovich as well, um, I can see them making it as well. Um, so I, I would definitely, uh, I would say Detroit is a huge maybe there. I'm not committing to it because a lot can change, but I think Boston Toronto are for sure in. Devils at worst are a wildcard team similar to Boston. They'll be in. I think I like what I see from the Islanders, and for the most part, the good will outweigh the bad. So I think they're in Carolina. They're third at that point in the season, but they'll figure it out, and they'll be a playoff team still. Uh, Rangers, I'm a bit iffy on, um, so they could miss the boat. But, I mean, it's Tampa. Until I see otherwise, they're in the playoffs. In terms of the rest that I think could figure it out, Pittsburgh and Florida have a shot at making uh, the playoffs. Uh, Philly is regressing. Montreal, to an extent, is, I think, Washington's too banged up. Buffalo is fun, but not a playoff team. Columbus is banged up, and they're in for a rough year. Yep. As for the last place sends, you know what? They might make a push of it, but I think it's just too much ground to make up, and, and they'll come up short. I think they'll be in the hunt, like I said, a couple weeks left in the season. But it's just going to be too little, too late there. So that's my standings uh, in the East. Top three, Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg in the Central. Hmm. I think Dallas for sure, Colorado for sure. Winnipeg is a strong maybe to make the playoffs. Uh, Vegas is in. Seattle is a maybe. I think the Kings figure it out eventually. Calgary if, is a maybe as well. St. Louis, I think... Despite their struggles, they had too good a team not to miss the playoffs. Yeah. And then in terms of the maybes uh, that aren't in, um, I could see Edmonton, and I could also see Minnesota there. So I, I think for the most part, uh, the standings will relatively remain the same. It should be noted when you look at the standings last year, uh, the one team in the East that was in a playoff position 
that ended up missing the playoffs was Columbus. Yep. Boston held that wild card spot when it was all said and done. However, in the West, there are actually three spots that changed. Vegas, Winnipeg, and Anaheim were all in the playoffs last American Thanksgiving, and they missed the playoffs. Yeah. Ahead of them, uh, or uh, the teams that made the playoffs in their place, uh, the, uh, the uh, Colorado Avalanche, who actually went on to win the whole darn thing, and I'm pretty sure also took their division. They were 10-5-1, so games in hand played a factor into that. The Kings were not in a playoff position on American Thanksgiving. Their fortunes turned around, and they got in. And also the Dallas Stars, largely because of their overtime wins, made the playoffs as well. So I think the most change could happen in the Western Conference. In the East, it's going to be just razor-thin margins all the way through. You go on a losing streak, and that could be the that could be the death of your season. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I think, I think anything can happen in the West is the is the moral of my explanation here. Yeah, I agree. I think the Eastern Conference has more team or like good teams there, which is interesting because it's like this is also a division that has Columbus and Ottawa who are both struggling. I guess Buffalo is all you could also consider them there too. But I would also um, argue like the. Like I said, razor razor thin margins. Like it, it looks like okay. These are the teams that we're likely going to see, but there's also a bit of second pause. Just like, but wait, this team though, maybe they could. Right, right, right. I could see them making a run. There's a lot more of those teams in the mix this year than there was last year. So yeah, if, if you're looking for if you're looking for a bit of excitement in the East, there's that, I suppose. Yeah, I guess it's more that, like, you know, we thought Montreal was going to be bad again, and they're doing yeah. okay. Uh, same with Philadelphia. Um, we, you know, and I think there's also, like, a surprising, like, yes, I, I will talk about the Bruins here. It's like, we thought that the Bruins weren't going to be this good. I didn't expect them to be this good, but, like, a lot of that had to do with the fact that, like, Krejci, you didn't know if Krejci, how good Krejci was going to do when he was in the Czech League uh, for a year, um, and then the like, you know, Marchand and um, McAvoy have been back um, due to the um, like, you know, it was assumed that they would be back by December, but they they were very ahead of schedule. So that had a lot to do with why people were low on the Bruins, but turns out it had no effect on on them. Um, yeah, I guess I'm wrong on Matt Murray, but I'm still skeptical. Um, we'll see how consistent he can be towards the end. But, yeah, I do agree that Toronto, I think, will stay um, in the division. I'm not convinced yet on Detroit. I know Ville Huso is not like Nadelkovic. He, you know, they do have better goaltending. I, I guess I'm just more convinced that I think Tampa is going to figure it out. Or, like, I... I I get. I'm more confident that Tampa will figure it out versus like I think Detroit could like end up losing it um, towards the end. So um, what's what's kind of crazy about this Detroit team right now is that Mort Sider hasn't really been that good, um, and um, so I'm just curious to see like once Mort Sider gets going, then it's just like. Okay, so then there's a potential that Detroit will be a, a team to be reckoned with, assuming Cider can can get going. But like so far, he hasn't been <laughs> as good as he was last year. But I, I still think Tampa Bay will figure it out. They have the pedigree, of course. I think that plays a part in it. Um, and then yeah, I think um, 
You know, I, I think it'll be interesting just because I, I would assume that Montreal and Philadelphia, uh, Columbus and, um, yeah, I guess I can include Ottawa in here too. Um, and even Washington will all, like, I feel like it's too, like, I don't know. Um, like, there's the, the too much to The fact that everything game. is too crowded and, like, yeah. they're, like, everyone is so neck and neck right. with each other, it's more teams to jump over, which, yeah. in a sense, makes it tougher in the East right. to make up the ground that you've lost. Right. If you're 500, it's still tough. Yeah. But if you're, like, Ottawa and you're, like, five or six games below 500, when you look at the grand scheme of things, that that's uh, that's looking like one yeah, big yeah, down right. the line. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I guess it's, you know, Washington will have the injury stuff. Ottawa, I don't know what's going on with Ottawa. Um, I Like, you know, Dabrinka has been pretty good, to his credit. So has Giroux. Um, and Tim Stutzla has been amazing, by the way. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's just crazy that they're still losing. Maybe it's just because, like, Cam Talbot isn't as good as we thought that he was going to be. But, yeah, it's like, you know, it's just, it's been disappointing to say the least, for Ottawa. There, at least, at least there, for, like... There have been a lot of one-goal yeah. games, though. Yeah. they've come up on the wrong end of, and they're, they're also, still... I've noticed, like, the goals have mostly been scored, like, yeah. uh, that game against Vegas. In the final five minutes of uh, the period, that happened twice, where yeah. Vegas gets a goal, kind of derails whatever momentum Ottawa is gathering. Sometimes it's an early goal in the period, or a couple of goals yeah. to start the period, and Things kind of fall off the rails momentum-wise. Right. And just the result to bounce back from that and the experience. The, the the games that I think Ottawa was really outplayed in and didn't really show their true colors was the game against New Jersey where they lost 5-1, to one, and then the game after that, the 5-1 to one loss to San Jose, both of which featured a goalie change midway through the game. Right. I think those were two of their worst games that they played all year. The rest of the time, they've been in every single game. They just can't get that goal that they need. Right, but like I, so that, that's why I can see them making a run. But but know, I don't know. I I, I feel like I I don't know. I feel like you're being too optimistic here. <laughs> like yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but like they're still, you know, they need better goaltending. Um, and like what you're saying is like even if they do go on a streak. They're like they have a lot of teams to catch up on. Uh, Columbus. Yeah, I never said they were gonna yeah. they were gonna succeed in their streak, but I think they'll make a, at least a run of it, and make an interest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I am kind of I I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's a lost season for them this year. Uh, but um, yeah, Columbus. But, but at the same time, you, if you're the sense, sorry to interrupt again. You, you you need to start to win now, so it's easier to win later. And you also look at you know Alex DeBrincat and. Yeah. You know, the eagerness that he entered the season with and Claude Drew, why he signed here is, I wouldn't have signed here if I didn't think this team had a shot to right. win. And, like, and they there's don't. pressure to win here, <laughs> yeah. and they got to figure it out. Yeah, so, regardless don't. of whether or not this run is enough, they need to show signs that they can win with this right, right. crew and but, win often. But they, they have not, so... Um, yeah, not yet. Yeah, yeah. So, hopefully that changes in the second half. Right, least, right. But, uh, but um, Columbus... Philadelphia and Washington, I can give some forgiveness just because they're dealing with injuries uh, to a lot of their key guys. Buffalo, yeah. um, Buffalo has been disappointing. We were talking them up early on in the season. I guess they're kind of doing the similar thing as Ottawa is, but I guess this shouldn't be so surprising that Buffalo all of a sudden, like I mean, Tage Thompson has been incredible, 
but then you start to like look at the you know and then you start to realize like oh and in fact they have a plus three goal differential right now but they're still losing games somehow um so it's just like it's just got to be frustrating especially when you look at like what new jersey's doing because uh, they're kind of like built the uh, structure the same way as buffalo is and and new jersey is winning all these stuff but like for buffalo it's just like oh okay i guess it's another year um another another season in the in the basement um and then in the western conference um so anyways i guess to answer my own question here i i think tampa will figure it out i think pittsburgh will figure it out and i think the rangers and florida will figure it out however i don't think it's like it's tough to see who who will who will those four teams um give up because i don't think yeah, Bo- yeah, right swap right with, yeah. I'm, that i'm not even really sure i feel like like boston and toronto i think are still going to be in the playoffs um yeah they're safe yeah they're safe new jersey i could see them falling down but like it would be very very hard uh, for them to fall yeah, down. Yeah, I don't that. think they fall to the point where they miss yeah. the playoffs completely. So right. I think they're in whatever capacity yeah. they're in. I feel like the Islanders are for real. Um, yeah. So, especially with how Sorokin's doing right now, I think they are good. Carolina, um, yeah, that's another team They'll where I'm like, yeah, I feel like they're, I mean, <laughs> what's to figure out? They're, they're pretty good. Um, so it's like the only team on this list that I feel like might miss it is Detroit. Um, and then it's like, okay, so then that means that pit one of two of Pittsburgh Rangers, Tampa and Florida are missing the playoffs. Um, yeah. So it's like, I think, I think experience might mean that like, you know, if I had to guess, I think it would mean that you just move Florida, Florida or Tampa replaces Detroit, and then, um, and then I guess you have the Rangers, Pittsburgh, and Tampa, the the Florida teams in the mix for the wild card. Um, if you just take out Detroit, um, so, yeah. so then it, I, I guess if I had to guess. I'd say that uh, Pittsburgh is the odd team out. Um, and then, of course, they're going to win the Connor Bedard uh, sweet six. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's going to happen. It's a formality. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, actually, I, I, yeah. Hate, I think that you might be right on that, but you might be right, yeah. <laughs> um, um, actually, you I know think the inconsistencies for Pittsburgh, yeah. you're right, that could be their undoing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Rangers, I'm also a bit unsure yeah, yeah. of, but I think they have the personnel yeah. to, to get it done. They yeah. have Panarin, they have Shishirk, and yeah, yeah. Like, why so, can't they? Right. And, right. And, and Florida's getting too many shots. Sam yeah. Reinhardt's starting to wake up again as well. Um, they they have the talent, and I think yeah. they'll be a playoff team. In what capacity, I don't know, but they'll be a playoff yeah, yeah, team. Yeah. So, um, and then um, what? Well, actually, the Washington is probably going to get Connor Bedard. Uh, but um, but yeah, then they, they need him more than Pittsburgh does. They do, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, then we go to the Western Conference. Uh, yeah, I think you said that this will this will pretty much be what it will look like. Um. This I'm not really sure about, because I, I think, I mean, it's tough. I, I don't think Seattle 
I, I would love it if Seattle makes the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make yeah. the playoffs. Winnipeg so, and Seattle are the two teams I'm unsure about okay. this group. I feel like L.A. is also sneaky, might not make the playoffs either. Um, yeah, maybe. Winnipeg, I could see missing the playoffs, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Um, they just lean on Halibut too much. Yeah, yeah. but like, they, like they, they've done that for the last couple of seasons, and it's worked for them. So <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's worked, yeah. and other times it hasn't. So I, I feel like that's like enough to do it. Um, in terms of like who they would be replacing, though, um, yeah, I think Calgary and St. Louis are still, yeah, they're still in the, they would be making the playoffs anyways. But yeah, yeah if you move, so if you move Seattle and LA out, um, I don't think St. Louis is going to make it in either. But yeah, Edmonton, I just mentioned, I think Edmonton will figure it out, even though it's like I don't know what they're doing with Jack Campbell. Um, but I, I think Edmonton will be good enough or like even currently they're in a wild card spot so i think they'll figure it out yeah. um minnesota and edmonton would probably be yeah. the rest out of the rest group of yeah. teams that would probably make it in i'd yeah. probably pick them i i think nashville could could make a run um and then uh yeah the western conference it's like vancouver might um they might start to figure things out because they did that last year um, they but it might, won four of their last yeah. five, but it might mean, be, the goalie yeah. that has the best record at 6-1-1 one one yeah. is not Thatcher Demko, and that goalie also has a GAA over right. three. Right, so. right, right. Yeah, but like, you know, this, it's like, it, it might be like a replica of last year where like they really picked it up in the second half, and then it was too late, so... Um, yeah, I think I think Vancouver and Nashville could both do that, yeah. but I think both will fall short in that regard, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, St. Louis is not making it, Arizona's not making it, Chicago's not making it, and yeah, Anaheim's not making it either. So, um, so it's um, so yeah, it's pretty much those four teams. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not. I guess I'm just not like surprise, surprise. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Jordan Bennington. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, Imagine if Nazem Kadri just it just sends the Blues into a death spiral. Yeah, yeah, that's just definitely like possible. second round exit. Jordan Bennington yeah. knocked out because uh, according to St. Louis fans because of Nazem Kadri. Yeah. Then they don't make the playoffs and then they fall off a right. cliff like an AC. So so yeah, I'm I'm looking at his stats right now. Um, he is nine seven, so he has a winning record right now. <laughs> But uh, he his GA is three oh five. His save percentage is nine oh one. That's not good. But on the other hand, I mean, at least his save percentage is nine hundred something. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, Thomas Grice, who's their backup, um, he's three point seven nine GAA and a nine oh three save percentage. So Grice has a better save percentage but a worse GAA than Pennington. Um, of course, granted, uh, Grice has played in six games uh whereas Bennington has played in 16 um but but yeah I guess I don't know I I I don't so like let's remove Seattle and replace them with Edmonton um and then you remove LA and replace them with Calgary um and then I think Minnesota will make it in um, so that's one wild card. Yeah, I guess St. Louis, maybe Nashville, but I think Vancouver could could make things work. So it's like it's between St. Louis, Nashville, and Vancouver for the last spot. I think 
Um, and maybe Seattle or LA. Um, I don't want to discredit them, but maybe they'll I, I would like to see him at least be competitive in yeah. the final couple of months, or, or like not yeah. the final couple. <laughs> yeah, 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 final couple of weeks, like two weeks left, yeah. and like there's very little guaranteed in both conferences. It would yeah. make for a lot of fun hockey yeah. to end the year. Which I think, if you're the commissioner, that's what you want. Right, right. You want entertaining hockey with a few weeks to go. Right. Okay. So I I know this has been like kind of like uh, an unstructured. <laughs> episode today but uh we'll make do um and then uh yeah the last question we have here is who will be the first coach fired and when will they be fired um i'm actually i mean uh, uh if you want to go with your answer i have one but uh, if you want to go first go for well because we we already spent time talking about this team but uh the ottawa senators and dj smith i think he'll be the first uh to coach fired um because it's like you know, so you go out and get DeBrincat, you go out and get Giroux, and not that the, those players have been bad, um, but, like, and you go out and get Cam Talbot, who has been bad, um, but, like, you know, that, that, like, this summer was supposed to be the summer of Dorian, um, and, um, and yeah, it's just like, okay, like, they're not, they're not doing anything. I feel like if they don't make a, a drastic change, um, Dorian, you know, they, they definitely won't be making the playoffs, and Dorian's going to be out of a GM job right now. So he has to do something, and that something will be uh, to fire DJ Smith. Um, and, yeah, so I, I think he'll do that. And I would imagine it will be relatively soon, um, maybe even this week. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I imagine he's a front runner for uh, getting fired. I mean, you can you can look at DJ Smith's in-game adjustments. You can question whether or not they're good enough for this team. You can question whether or not he's the right coach long-term for this team, and I have questions myself on that. Um, I don't think they're going to be – maybe mid-season they do make the change. I don't think they're going to be the first, largely because um, who do you have in mind to replace him, first of all, and can he do a better job than DJ Smith can? Well, Barry Trotz, I guess. Problems that DJ Smith is currently dealing with right Bear, now. Uh, the Barry Trotz, but I don't think they're going to get him. But yes, and <laughs> Barry that Trotz is my argument. So yeah. who does that leave you with, right? Yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> um, yeah that's true. I, I think I think if it was a situation like Vancouver, where they were down to, or if you were down two nothing by the end of the first period, and you had a feeling it was game over already. Mm-hmm. That that's different. Then I would probably be feeling like, okay, they're probably coaching changes best year. But again, you look at all of the games that Ottawa is in against but the top teams. They're counter- right there with them. They're just a goal away. Yeah. So the way that they're losing games isn't like dramatically bad to the point where like, okay, a coaching change is the only way that can fix this. Yeah. Unless morale is bad, I don't. I don't make a change like right this second. I think you I give them a chance to at least right the ship, and it could be a situation where Dorian and Smith are both fired at the end of the year under new ownership, and then you go from there. I don't. But know. I, I don't know if he's the first to go. I I don't know because it's still like I'm looking at their schedule here. It's like I know that you're saying that they lost a lot of one game things, but they lose to Vegas. A four to one. They lost to San Jose five to one. They lose to New Jersey five to one. Um, they did beat Buffalo four to one, um, but they lose to like the Islanders four to two. These aren't uh, one goal games, but like yeah, a couple of these games that they have beaten 
the team. Like they beat Philly four to one. It's not all the time that they're one goal games. Um, so I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like. Um, yeah, I, I feel like DJ Smith is is the front runner to be the first goalie the coach fired. And in counterpoint, it's like you could say the same thing about any of these coaches, like any of these teams. Like there's pro- there's not a lot out there um, in terms of coaches other than Barry Trotz, and Barry Trotz isn't going to go to a team um, that uh, that like you know that he wouldn't like you know or like he he has a pick he had a pick um of the litter um and he passed on them so i don't know why he would go to ottawa the only team that i feel like barry trotz would go to would be toronto now that toronto is doing well i i I feel like sheldon keith's job is safe so um so yeah i i don't i don't think he's he's going to uh i i I guess i wouldn't be surprised if barry trotz like Maybe Barry Trotz goes to Vancouver, but um, but yeah, that's probably the only team that I think he would go to. Anyways, but so the, the thing is, Barry coach? Trotz is he's expressed desire um, or not desire, but his fascination with original six teams. Right. So if the Leafs, let's say, make the playoffs, but they're an early exit, and then Keith and Dubas are both gone, well, oh, would you look at that? Does Ottawa go that route and get the tandem? Yeah. And by the way, Kyle Dubas cheered for the Sens at one point, or was at least a fan of theirs back in the day. So um, that that would be interesting as well. Right. Um, so if Ottawa does make a change, I would go the interim route and see what you have in the offseason because you never know what options could be there in the offseason. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they have any shot at getting Barry Trotz, so I'll leave it at that. Yep. Now, Fair. the coach that I do think could get fired – and he just signed a three-year extension, so I don't know how realistic this is. But the St. Louis Blues better be careful because I think the clock is ticking on Greg Berube already. Oh. Uh, that game where they came back and beat the Florida Panthers, they were down four to nothing, or, or no, they were down three nothing within the first like nine or ten minutes of the game, and Grice was in net for that. Right, and. Uh, the, the Blues were just getting hammered by the Panthers for various points in the game, and it took a third-period comeback just to will that game into overtime, and then they got the extra point in the overtime session. Uh, um, but, yeah, there, there have been a lot of games where uh, the Blues have just been outnumbered, outclassed. The, the first game that Christ won with the Blues, he stopped like 47 of 51, and I think that was an overtime win as well. So, again, like, they're not winning games uh, in thrill uh, – well, in, they are willing, winning games in thrilling fashion, but um, they're, they're not winning games cleanly. They're not playing the way that they're used to playing. I feel like they're flat-footed some of the time, and they have just such a good defensively shaped roster where – they're giving up goals left and right, and they have Grice, who's an experienced goalie, and Bennington, who's getting paid a lot of money. And I'm just thinking, this team is much better than this. You have guys like Jordan Cairo struggling out of the gate, Ryan O'Reilly struggling out of the gate. Uh, Robert Thomas was doing okay, but I mean, if you're paying Robert Thomas eight by eight, he's got to be doing better than good. I, I think the best situation for the St. Louis Blues, even if they're sputtering around 500 by Christmas, 
they're probably going to be making a change behind the bench, and that's the easiest change to make. Uh, I mean, yeah, you have Tarasenko and O'Reilly on expiring contracts, but, you know, trading them for, for pieces I don't think is really going to do much to, to fix the bigger issue. I don't think they're well-coached enough, and if Craig Berube can't get the ship in the right direction, yeah. uh, his job is on the line. So um, I, I think it's going to be Berube who uh, gets axed out of St. Louis, and that will be the first coaching decision that comes down this year. Yeah. Um, they, they have more expectations than the Sens have, and that's not to say the Sens don't have any expectations, don't get right. me wrong, but the Blues are an established playoff team. They have a lot to prove still after their previous Stanley Cup win, a lot of playoff failures to amend, and um, this is not the ideal start uh, they were obviously wanting. So Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like the, the Sens had like such a hot summer and they made all these different moves. Like, yeah, I, I know that, like, you even said, like, you know, you don't expect the Sens to make the playoffs, but I think you're still disappointed by their seasons. Yeah, that. I'm disappointed, but I also know that there are better seasons ahead for the Ottawa Senators with this group. There's room for this group to grow as a unit and get better. For teams like St. Louis, the clock is ticking on their winning True. window. Yeah, that's fair. I guess the thing is, is that, like, for teams that aren't doing so hot right now, like Columbus, Anaheim, even Chicago, San, San Jose, it's like, if you're going to be bad this year, this is the year to do it because you have a yeah. good odds to, to get Connor Bedard or Fantilli. Like, if Ottawa gets, like, keeps DJ Smith around and that, that gives them a better chance of getting one of those two picks then yeah, this, this season is worth it. But um, but yeah, it's, it's also, like, it just comes to the point of, like, if if it hurts the development of a bunch of your young guys, like, yeah. let's say... Like, I, like, I, I, I don't want Ottawa getting a yeah. top three pick, don't get me wrong, but I don't want the expense of more losing. Right, like, right. If, if they continue to lose and they're yeah. in this spiral and a coaching situation yeah. needs to be addressed, then fine. If right. the morale is down and the coach being fired is what changes it, fine. But if they're if they're at least in contention, the dressing room, yeah. the dressing room mood is good, and they're getting somewhat decent results. I don't make that change at least right away. Well, well, what I was going to say is like, let's take Anaheim for instance. Like, I I think Dallas Eakins should be fired. But, oh my God! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, wait, wait. Can I can I finish? Can uh, I finish? I, my... I, I think Anaheim and Eakins is probably the front. Well, well, no, well, no, because here's the thing. Um, I like I, I think Dallas Eakins should be fired, but like the Ducks weren't going to make the playoffs this year. Let's be oh, honest. Oh wait, oh so you wait till but, after the season yeah. and, and shot. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. But like my point, my my bigger point is uh, if you're not interrupting me, is the fact Sorry. that <laughs> that like Zegers is doing pretty well. Uh, Troy Terry is doing pretty well still. Uh, McTavish. He's had his moments, but he's still doing pretty well. So it's like, I wouldn't, be, even though Eakins shouldn't be their coach anymore, it's like, like okay, it makes sense to just give him the, like, because you probably want, like, imagine how good this team will be with Connor Bedard on the team. So, so right, exactly. So, like... So, okay, fine. Like, stink for another year, and that means that Dallas Eakins will 
has a longer leash, even like a longer leash than he should have, but you keep him in. And I imagine that's what Ottawa is probably doing with like, you know, Tim Smithla is a point per game player. Uh, so, um, and, and, you know, they have like Jake Sanderson is, is uh, picking it up. I know that's mostly because of Thomas Shabbat's injury, but uh, you know, you can see uh, Jake Sanderson doing well. Um, so like, you know, you can make a case for a lot of these things. It's like, the only thing is when it gets concerning is when a lot of your young players aren't doing so hot, um, for all these bad teams. So it's like, like Montreal was right. last year. Right, right, right. So, uh, so again, that's when it gets, starts to get concerning. And then you're thinking like, okay, that's when the coach should be fired. But I think for this year in particular, we might not get a coach fired, by the end of this this year in December, so like, um, but because it's like it, it is advantageous to get one of the like to to be bad this year, um, and so that that could lead to like uh, the first coach being fired by like December thirtieth or even like January fifth or whatever. Now the devil's advocate question on the Ducks because you did bring up an interesting point yeah. about the Ducks. Remember in the off season where and it, John Gibson insists it was just rumors, but there were rumors out there that yep. John Gibson might be tired of all the losing in Anaheim and he might want to be on a contender. But as much as he denied those rumors, if the losing keeps happening and then he drops the okay, uh, I'm tired of this, I want out. Well, then, yeah, that losing got you Connor Bedard, but it might have cost you John Gibson as well. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a tough pill to follow as well. I guess, however, to play devil's advocate to that devil's advocate, um, you could make the case that John Gibson is a, a reason why the Ducks aren't good anymore. It's just because John Gibson hasn't been that good. Um, and yeah, defense around him also hasn't. Yeah, been fair. You're fair. right. He has. It, it, there, there are some faults. I mean, his GAA is what right. four, nearing four. Right, right. That's so, that's that's pretty high, even yeah. for the struggling Ducks. Right, and and with his contract as well, with six point four million for yeah. five more years, uh, not a lot of teams are even going to want that. So it's like first he has to like say that because he has a no trade clause as well. It's first going to have to say that he wants out, and then you have to find a team that's interested in that, and his contract's not good, and he's not lived up to that contract in the first place, not even close. And so, injury history. And injury history, too. So, And he's 29 right now. So it's like, even if yeah. he does want out, it's it's like hard to see that actually happening. Um, True. So, so to play devil's advocate to that devil's advocate, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not saying it's impossible either, because, like, I, I guess it could happen, but, um, or, like, you know, some team will be like, oh, right, I remember when John Gibson was really, really good a few years ago, kind of like what happened with Matt Murray, but I feel like if a trade's going to happen, it's going to be in the summer, um, if, if, yeah. he, if he does want out. Um, the, the other thing about the Ducks is they currently have $19 million in cap space. True, true. And Klingberg is a free agent after this year. Right. So they, they've got a lot of capital in terms of true. spending. They also have three seconds and two-thirds on top of the first that they have uh, yeah. this year in the upcoming draft. And they also have two seconds next year. Yep. Um, mostly thanks to your Boston Bruins. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean – the, the Ducks, in terms of the future, they also have a crop of young defensemen that 
haven't really made their NHL mark, right. and Drysdale's also hurt. So there's definitely potential with this team, but for the present, it's definitely tough sledding. Yeah, well, outside of Seeker scoring Michigan goals. Right, right, right. Well, they do have 14 million in cap space, but you have to keep in mind the fact that uh, Terry Zegers and uh, Drysdale are all RFAs. Uh, so it's like you know they're, they're saving their money. Um, True, yeah. but it should also be noted, and I guess I guess this is where I bring up the young defenseman. Uh, also on the free agency front, I mentioned Klingberg as a free agent, but also Kevin Shattenkirk, also Dmitry Kulikov, also yeah. Nathan Bolio, and also uh, if you're talking about goalies, Anthony Stolarz is a free True. agent as well. John Moore, uh, Derek Grant, they're also pending UFAs, so... You have a bit of that money in house where you don't have to re-sign all of those guys, and then you can save it up for those big paydays that you were talking about. Yeah, but yeah. you're right; that definitely will impact um, how much money they yeah. can afford to hand out to other guys to make their team better. Yeah, it's it is interesting for the John Klingberg because, like, you know, he was like he wanted a long-term contract worth like eight million, and he's struggling yeah. right now. It seems like he's not getting that, um, even if he was traded. Um, so, so it, it does. Um, it doesn't seem that good. But I don't know. It it, it kind of it's interesting too because there's like you know it reminds me of Taylor Hall and Buffalo situation uh, where it's like oh <laughs> like he's not like their their whole plan of trading him in January doesn't really work when that player that said player is not doing so hot. Um, on that team. So, yeah. Anyways, um, that's that's about it for us here. Unless you have any more thoughts. Um, nope, absolutely zero. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, that's about it. I'm. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter if there's still a Twitter. Um, at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, you can also subscribe to us on SoundClouds, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcasts. That's a yeah. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Bowser. We'll talk again in episode 345 of the Lace Up Podcast.